Beloved, how many of you are the beloved? Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice, say rejoice. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that you are a participant, that you share in, share with Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Now look over in uh, Philippians and uh, chapter 3, verse 10. And we're going to hang out in Philippians a lot this morning, but Philippians 3, verse 10. And uh, it's a very familiar scripture. Paul said that I might... Or I may know him and the power of his resurrection and, say and, and the fellowship or the sharing in, participating in his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Lord, we pray for understanding. We pray for wisdom. God, we pray Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, we can't hear unless you open our ears. We can't even begin to understand unless you give us understanding. So we pray, Holy Spirit, come, and we thank you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, we, um, we sent out some videos, remember, by Andrew Brunson, and Andrew spent was it a couple years in a Turkish prison? And uh, he thought at times he was going to just remain in that prison for the rest of his life. And he struggled. He came to this crisis of faith where he really, he thought he would never be released. But somehow he drew from that which had been planted deep within him. Remember David said, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin. And so the word had been planted in Andrew, and he came to the place, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And then God began to open the doors, but um, he was willing to remain in captivity. In other words, listen to this. Andrew's faith, I want you to hear this, was not in just in what God does or doesn't do. It was in God who is who he is, regardless of what he does or doesn't do. It's in him, and his trust was in him. Remember the three Hebrew children, they said, our God will deliver us. They were going to be tossed in the furnace. Our God will deliver us, but even if he does not, we will not bow to your idols. Now, his videos on remaining strong in the midst of persecution, I have known this message. It has been in my heart many, many years. I've written articles on it, and I knew there would come a time, and this is the time to embrace. You know, this sharing in the sufferings of Christ has almost become foreign in the Western church. We've 
We've come for blessings, just like the song that we sing. We didn't come for blessing. We came for you. And uh, we must embrace this. And then John told us, we, we pray every Monday morning at 7.30. We just commit the week to the Lord, all the prayer sets, the Moravian lampstand, sanctify. We just pray, Holy Spirit, come. We just acknowledge, God, we can't make it this week unless you show up. So we just, we come every Monday at 7.30. You're, you're welcome to join us. But anyway, John told us about this video, this Chinese man, he just saw it. This man spent time in a Chinese communist prison camp. And uh, under the most, he was explaining, under the most horrendous circumstances, things around him, and yet he encountered the glory of God in that place. And um, he found that the Lord was mightily with him. Now, we need to look in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. The Old Testament is the foundation. Jesus was concealed in the old. He's revealed in the new. And he's going to be revealed in us in these last days so that all the earth may behold the glory of the Lord. It's, it's a process. So anyway, we need to hear from heaven this morning. And we need to know what thus saith the Lord is. Now, I want to begin with in the book of Ezekiel. You, don't, you can turn there and look. It's in chapter 1. I'm just going to refer to some things. And then we'll come back to Philippians and 1 Peter on this subject of the fellowship of his sufferings. Nobody said amen. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is the kind of stuff I was cut on. I mean, most, many of us, we heard these kind of deep messages and then it's like they vacated. Nobody preached on them for many years and um, became soft in America. And anyway, the Lord's going to come stir up the softness. But over in Ezekiel chapter 1, Lord, help me put it all together. But Ezekiel saw a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. That's what it says. I see a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, which means the storms were coming, or maybe the storms were there. But regardless of the storms and the rain, he saw a rainbow, which represented the promise. There's something God is doing regardless of what the situation dictates. And then he actually said this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. That's what he said. It's really, the book of Ezekiel is an amazing book. And uh, so we want to be reminded that clouds may come. Have you ever noticed when the clouds come, the sun is still shining behind them? Still shining just as much as it ever was. You just can't see as much as you thought you could or maybe you could before. Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 5. I'm going to read that, but Ezekiel has been summoned to join the captives. And he becomes a captive himself. In fact, in Ezekiel, the Lord tells, he, tells him to prepare to go into captivity. Gather your belongings because you're going into captivity. Now, Ezekiel 13.5 said that he was built, he was to build the wall, the gaps, so that the house of Israel would be able to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. Did you hear that? Yeah. So that 
Israel could stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is much more than the end time day of the Lord. Any time God is going to move where there will be judgments, it's a type of, it is the day of the Lord. It's a day of visitation. And he wept when his own people could not recognize the day of visitation. Now, Ezekiel was sent to a people that were hard-hearted, rebellious, stubborn, and resistant. They didn't want to hear what Ezekiel had to say. They didn't want to hear what God had to say. You can read in Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, they don't want to hear you because they don't want to hear me. They don't want to hear the word of the Lord. They gathered up for themselves prophets who prophesied to them peace. And they, they had a tendency to go and fill up those meetings because those prophets told them what they wanted to hear. They had been seduced. It says it in the Scripture. They had been seduced by the prophets of peace. And so they weren't called to repentance. And the land was full of bloodshed. You can read all this. Ezekiel calls it crimes of blood. So there obviously was some innocent blood. And I know there was. There was blood sacrifice as is happening today. There was great perversity in the land. And the people, instead of turning from their sin and turning to the Lord, it says they multiplied their disobedience. That's what it says in Ezekiel. They were digging down. For example, if a law was passed, they would gather in their house chamber and they would, they would change the law or the Constitution to give them the right to continue in their sin. And their rebellion. And they didn't want to hear what God had to say. But God was going to say it anyway. And he raised up prophet after prophet to speak, thus saith the Lord. You know, I heard, well, I read it. 57% of Generation Z. What is that? Age 10 to age 25. You know, you're born from 1997 to 2012. 68 million of in that generation, uh, 57% are on some kind of medication. And many of them very strong. And they're experiencing serious mental illnesses. Why? Because of the lockdowns, the isolation, the what we know is now harmful and even deadly government mandates. They've been fed constant fear and propaganda. They've been sown Marxist theology and gender confusion. And so they, many of them are losing it. They've been told that God, the message of God and His love for them is some kind of disinformation. When the truth is, that's the real information. That God so loves this generation that He gave His Son and He got a great purpose for them. Regardless. And here's what, this is Ezekiel I want to make sure I get it all in. So I'm going to, some of this I added this morning. Because every time you read the Bible, you see things you never saw before. And maybe it's not with you, but it is with me. Anybody else that way? I see stuff new. How did I miss that? Ezekiel 6, 11. Here's what God told Ezekiel. You should be pounding your fist and stomping your feet over all the evil abominations that are being done in the house of Israel. That's what it says. But instead, in many churches today, we comply 
We encourage people to obey, and uh, we've caused many to stumble. You know, Mark chapter 9, Jesus said, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, to fall away, to stumble into sin, it would be better if a millstone were hung around their neck and they were tossed into the sea. Then they experience the judgment of eternal fire that awaits them. Now, I'm glad as I read that article, with the 57% makes me a little bit, there's a righteous anger. We should have a righteous anger. We should stomp our feet. What are you, what are you remaining silent for? Cowards remain silent. Amen. I'm just telling you, they, they don't say anything to stir the... Well, you, well, the boat's being tossed over anyway. You might as well get in on it. Have a little fun. Because the demons tremble when you rise up in faith and, and stand on the Word of God and the, the blood of Jesus. They, this is serious stuff. Anyway, I was reading all that about the 57%, but I know there's also a generation in the midst that are catching fire. Right now, we've got some. They're getting ready to go over to Cleveland here in uh, December. We got a youth group. And uh, I told Scott, I said, hey, God, when you go over there and get in the fire over there when, and you come back on fire, just take over. And we'll just sit back and, and watch this generation. The word that Bob Jones had, there would be a mighty move of God among the, this generation of youth and children. And we want to let it happen. And also, I saw an example Friday. They invited me up to Apple Hill. There's a Christian school that gathered up there at Apple Hill and, and uh, just sharing about the, what's going on. And uh, boy, I'm telling you, there's some kids that are on fire today. The devil does not have them all. He's not about to have them all. But anyway, back to Ezekiel. God used Ezekiel to call the people to choose. Most of them did not choose in the right way. But he said, he who hears, let him hear. He who refuses, let him refuse. For they are rebellious heart. Now you know Ezekiel's heart had to break because he saw what was coming. Famine, the sword, pestilence. You can read it all there. You know how God made himself known when all of these things of judgment came to pass. He said, then... You shall know that I am the Lord your God. That's what he said. You read that over and over and over again. The prophets of peace, you never see that behind their message. God didn't say, now you know that I am the Lord your God because of their, their peaceful message. It was when God moved in great times of judgment. Now, okay, where am I going? I hope not where Ezekiel went, but if we have to go, we go. Our God shall deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow, right? right? So in the midst of captivity, we need to know how to act. And we need to know what the Bible says about the sufferings of Christ, partakers of Christ's sufferings. Most that I know want to escape rather than be a partaker of. If you really know the Lord, you will not be able to escape. I mean, you can run away from him. 
Who else has the words of life? Where are you going to go? You know, the world right now, they're wondering, who, man, who are we going to call? Who are we going to call to help? They can call Ghostbusters all they want. It's not going to work. They're going to have to call the church. We're the ones. And we tell our folks all the time, we are the Ghostbusters. So we got to be who we're called to be, wherever we're called to be. Did you hear me? Wherever we are called to be. Did you tell the Lord, okay, God, I'm going to follow you as long as I get to do this or that? What kind of, did that work? Okay, so I'm going to share some uh, of the highlights out of the book of Philippians. In this message, you know the power of his sufferings or the fellowship of the sufferings and the power of the resurrection. So I wanted to back, you know, follow up on Andrew Bunsen's videos. And so Paul is in prison and he's writing a letter to the saints and the leaders who at the church of Philippi. We were at the church of Philippi, Shirley and I, literally, we were in Philippi, West Virginia, and they spelt it just like Philippi. That's where we got married in the church of Philippi. Really? Well, kind of. Anyway, that's where we were. I made it. It wasn't a mistake, but I, I told you, I told the Lord, I'll go anywhere you lead me. And he led me to a little bitty church in the middle of nowhere where all the coal mines were beginning to close down. And it was a sad, lonely place until Shirley showed up. Actually, the Lord showed up. But Philippi, West Virginia is a blessed place, just as Moravian Falls and just as where you live. Now, let's go Philippians chapter 1. And there's just, uh, I don't know, 6, 8 nine things, and I won't take a lot of time, then we're going to pray. Pray for people around the altar. God's been moving in power around the altar. I can't wait to see what he's going to do today. But anyway, look, Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses beginning verse 2, grace to you and peace. We need both of those in this hour. We need a lot of grace, and we have a lot of grace. Say, I have a lot of grace, and I have peace. Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So the first thing, how did Paul in prison, how did he respond to his captivity? Number one, he was quick to give thanks. This is the hour. Now I know we're here, where we are at Thanksgiving. A real son or daughter of God is going to be quick to be thankful in all things because they trust God in all things. God is God when it looks good and when it doesn't look good, when you're on a mountain or you're on the valley. He is God, and he's good always. All things work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. So there's a reason to give thanks. And Paul maintained three things. You can read that in verse 4. He maintained a prayer life. When he was in captivity, he probably... His prayer, prayer life probably grew. He kept his joy. The enemy's always trying to rob us of our joy. We have joy of which we know not comes from. Unspeakable, full of glory. There's, there's a well of joy, the well of salvation. It's in within us. It, there's a joy that you cannot 
understand and will break out at the, the times you need it most. The joy of the Lord, it's not just a smile on your face. It's something deeper that, that when you need, it's there. And then he was to maintain that thankfulness. You know, one of the signs of the last days, remember 2 Timothy chapter 4, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. And, but it also says they will be unthankful, unholy. And we don't want to be those that are unthankful. So the first thing, in captivity, times of suffering, partaking with Christ, things you don't, that come your way that you can't explain. You give thanks in all things, right? That'd be a good practice. If you don't learn anything else, if you just give thanks, God, this stuff that's going on right now, I really, I don't like. But I thank God that you're still my God and your word is still true. And though there are clouds and rain, I see a rainbow in the midst of it. I see the promises of God. And I will not back off of your word. And then the next thing being, look in verse 6 and 7. Uh, he says, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you, say in you, will complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Just as it is right for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with grace or with me of this grace. So Paul is speaking of those who are with him and himself. He has learned to be confident that what God has begun in him, God will complete it regardless of where he finds himself. He, now notice he didn't say the work that I began with you. Now that's part of it. Or the work that I've begun for you or through you, and all of that is a part, but the greater is the work that I've begun in you. You see, we, he's br- working on bringing many sons to glory, that, the, that Christ might be formed in us, the hope of glory. And so the greatest work, the conditions don't matter. He will continue to do that work wherever you find yourself in. You got that? Say, I'm confident that he will finish the work that he's begun in me until the day of Christ Jesus. And then the next thing, verse 12, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me, these things that happened to me, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. In other words, his captivity, his prison sentence actually furthered, it caused the gospel to spread beyond what he would have have never imagined. We're talking about Paul today. And uh, so much of the New Testament was written in prison. And yet the gospel, the gospel, listen, what is this all about anyway? Is it about you and me being made known or is it him being made known? It's about him. It's about Last time I checked, it's about the glory of the Lord. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He despised the shame because he saw the joy that was set before him. He became of no reputation. He endured the cross because 
of the will of the Father and that which would be revealed. And so his prison sentence actually furthered the gospel. Can you believe things that happened to us that we would rather have not happened actually can turn out to cause the gospel to spread and triumph? The testimony of the Lord that you would not have had had you not walked through that situation. And then in verse 12 again. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now verse 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. In other words, there is that suffering which is according, listen to this, to the will of God. Nobody said amen in that part. It's okay. You can reject me. Surely will accept me later. She comforts me. Hey, you know, those demons beat you up. Here, you can lay on my shoulder. I'm not talking about you, but it happens. How many of you get beat up sometimes? You need a shoulder to lay on. And we can lay our head on his breast. We've got the greatest. Okay. So what's Paul saying? Well, first of all, here's what he's saying in those verses. That no captive, listen, Paul was not a captive to men. He was a captive to the Lord. His chains were in Christ. If you're a, a captive to Jesus, what can man do to you? Their captivity is nothing compared to the captivity of Christ. You're in him. You're captivated by the love of God. And regardless of the behavior of men. Now look over in First um, Peter chapter 4. And uh, look in verse 12. We, we read that. Don't think it's strange. You ever been tempted to think it's strange when you're going through strange things? Lord, this is strange. I don't know what's happening. Why? But don't think it's strange. But rejoice. Give thanks to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed... When his glory is revealed, you may be glad with great joy. Now look in verse 14. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, or you're insulted or reviled. Now understand the suffering we're speaking of, and um, Richard referred to this Friday night. It's not some stupid disease that's just trying to destroy us. We're talking about suffering for the cause of Christ in the name of Christ. Because you've chosen to follow him. And regardless, and so your persecution, those, if you even desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Now, verse 14, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Say, blessed am I. For the spirit of glory. How many of you want the glory of the Lord to be upon you? Well, there's more to the story. The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, on those who persecute you, he is blasphemed. Boy, there's blasphemy going on in this hour. Unbelievable blasphemy. That's on their part. But on your part, he is glorified. But then he gives some good advice in verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief. In other words, if you do something stupid... Don't just blame your suffering on, yeah, I'm sharing in the sufferings of Christ. No, you, you did something stupid. 
You're paying the price. Don't be a busybody in other people's matters. That'll get you killed. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about. All right, verse 17. For the time has come. Man, I see this so different when you read it in context. For the time has come for judgment to begin. At the house of God. And if it begins with us first... This is a serious scripture. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? It sounds like a serious scripture to me. Therefore, because of what's just been said, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, say the will of God. Commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So here's some things out of those. Number one, there is a suffering that is according to the will of God. Everybody see that? It is God's will. Nevertheless, not my own. You might could escape temporarily. But nevertheless, thy will be done. And his will is always the way of the cross. The way of the death to self that we might experience the resurrection. Also, there is a glory you experience in suffering that you will not experience in any other way. These guys that are always talking about the glory of the Lord, and I'm all for it. I want the glory. I want the glitter. I want all of that and the tickles and the goosebumps. They have no idea. We've gotten away from the depths of God's Word. Listen, We're supposed to be preaching the Word of God in this hour. If you preach the Word, the folks will not get off base. They'll not get off track. They will stay rooted and grounded in the truth. You'll know the truth. Not your truth. Not my truth. The truth. And the truth, His truth, will set them free and keep them free. We have to proclaim it. And then in suffering as a Christian... It's, as we said, it's an opportunity to give glory to God. I want to give you glory. Well, this is the opportunity. Even in suffering, he's both good and he's faithful. Now back to Philippians. And verse, or chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, we read it, but, um, but, but notice this, verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, now this is awesome, having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So the next thing is his suffering in us will produce boldness and confidence in those around us. Have you noticed those that are in fear, they just infect you with more fear. Those that they're overcome by the boldness and confidence of God. You walk out of that place confident and bold to speak the word of God. I've noticed that there are people... I've shared with you, Rodney Howard Brown is one of those to me. I'd go to those meetings, and still when I watch Rodney, he somehow breeds confidence and boldness. And I want to be like that. I want people to be bold as a lion, not fearful, you know, and a chicken and a coward. You know, we got to, I want them to be bold, and that's what the Lord wants. You know, here's a thought. If you pray, okay, God, use me however you will. What if he chooses to get you into a place where you will fulfill this scripture? 
that your testimony, your boldness, confidence in the Lord will spread to others. You know, well, that's enough said to that. And then in verse 19, now here's what Paul said, for I know that this will turn out, his imprisonment, and all these things that are happening, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now the word deliverance is better translated salvation. And so what he's literally speaking of is that when I'm walking through something that is testing me in every way, I would rather have avoided it. That is the time I'm going to actually experience the full benefits of this salvation that I say I have received. There's a full, there's a great, salvation is way beyond what I did. I mean, we, yes, we said yes, and he saved us, but this, this salvation is much more than that. It's salvation through the floods. It's salvation in the storms. It's salvation in the midst of disease. It's salvation when all of hell is at your doorstep. The salvation of God is way beyond. It goes on and on. It goes into eternity. And I was thinking about what John shared with us on Monday morning there when we prayed about that Chinese man. He was in some horrendous circumstances, but he was saved. Man, that man was saved. And he was experiencing the salvation of the Lord. But what's needed also is the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints and the supply of Jesus Christ. I think that's interesting the way it puts it. The supply of Jesus Christ. In other words, your supply chain might be broken on the earth. But the supply chain that reaches up into heavens will never run dry. Never run dry. I think Chris was speaking about that. Is he the God who provides or is he not? Is he the God who heals or is he not? Is he your righteousness or is he not? Is he your peace, your shepherd, your father, the one who leads you in victory always? He is. He is who he is. He said, I am who I am. We should say, you are who you are. And believe. And then in verse 20, now this is good, verse 20. He says, I know this will turn out for my salvation, my deliverance, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing, absolutely nothing, I shall not be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether I live or whether I die. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he came to the understanding that it was not about whether he survived, whether he lived or whether he died. It was that Christ would be magnified through his body. Did you hear that, church? It's not about whether we live or whether we die. To die is to gain. To stay, remain is far better for many. And I trust God to keep me until that time. But if he's chosen that time, then it's gain. But my goal is not that I live. The goal is that he be magnified. 
And I'm telling you, that has left much of the church in the West. And so we better catch up with it now. That Christ be magnified. We sing all of these songs, but do we really mean it? We will have the opportunity to find that he's faithful. And then in verse 27 through verse um, 29, it says, uh, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm with you or hear of your affairs, that you're not striving together and all of this, and not in any way, verse 28, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Did you see that? Not in any way, however they might manifest. You're not terrified of the adversaries. The Lord said we would face these adversaries. They're there. They're of the world. But not terrified. That, when you're not terrified, that actually causes them to be greatly terrified. Which is to them, there it is, a proof of perdition, of their destruction. It proves to the powers of hell that they're on their way to hell. That's what it means. It's the way I read it. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been, now watch this, granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe, to be saved, in other words, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw was in me. And now you hear that is, is in me, and he was explaining this to the church of the Philippians. In other words, salvation and suffering go with the territory. It's part of the same calling. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. And uh, we, we live the Christian life because it's a life that we've chosen to live, not so that we would get all that we've ever dreamed of, all the blessings, but that Christ might be magnified and the dreams of heaven would come on the earth and be done as it is in heaven. That God's dream will come to pass. That Jesus might receive... All of the reward of the sufferings, of his own suffering at the cross. And it's a testimony to our captors of the coming justice of God. Now, Philippians chapter 3, over in verse 17, just about to wrap this up. He says, brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk. And they have us as a pattern for many walk of whom I've told you often. And now tell you, even weeping, Paul was not boasting, in, and neither was Ezekiel. They had become hardened in their sin. They were rebellious, and they refused to surrender and yield and turn. But Paul was weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And this should be our, our mindset, our heart cried, God. They're enemies. They're enemies. I see these on television. They, they occupy Congress and Senate, and I see the blasphemy of these judges and politicians. And our attitude should be weepingly, God, they are enemies of the cross, 
But we pray, O God, break their heart and turn them to you, Lord. Lift the blinders, God. Deliver them. While today is today. Because in verse 19, it speaks of the enemies of the cross whose end is destruction. And whose God is their own belly to satisfy themselves. Whose glory is in their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things. But verse 20, this is real key. For our citizenship, say my citizenship, is in heaven. Is in heaven. We're passing through. We're sojourners. From which we also eagerly wait. We're anticipating. The church, that's why they said, even so come, Lord Jesus. They were anticipating that which is to come, not that which is only on the earth. But your citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body. Whether we live or whether we die, that is not the issue. That it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, this is why he says, therefore, pay attention. Therefore, my beloved brethren and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. Regardless of what all you face, Stand fast in the Lord. The story is not over. Remember Paul Harvey. Now there's the rest of the story. And you've been called to the rest of the story. You know what I mean. And it's his story. It's his story. It's his testimony. That's the prophetic thing we want to walk in. The testimony of Jesus. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm watching these prophets today. Some prophesy one thing, one other prophesy another thing. And I've just come to the conclusion, because I'm going to love them both, I'm just going to preach the Word of God. You birth it in my heart, God, and I'm going to let it rip. Let those guys worry about well, who's right and who's wrong and how it all works out. I've got a prophetic word that is more sure. I've got His Word, the living Word of God. And I live and I move, and especially in these days, and I will have my being by his word, by his presence. In you, go God. Oh, man. In other words, those who know him and the fellowship of his sufferings, and this is how this all wraps up, they will come to know him in the power of his resurrection. That's what, that's our destiny, our inheritance This is what we're living for, and if we need be, so die for. But the power of his resurrection means you live forever and ever 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 and ever. You're living forever, ever. This life, this life, this is not forever, but there is a forever. And I thank you, God. So, Lord, make this our prayer. How many of you say, this is my prayer, that I might know him? Just say, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mighty God, just, just love on him and just tell him you love him and thank him. Thank him. Things that maybe are not going the way you had hoped, but give him thanks. Rejoice. Rejoice in him. He is faithful. He is good. And you can be confident that the work that he began in you, he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for drawing us to this place today, God. Thank you for calling us to this hour. I look at these guys and I say, God, we've all been called to the most glorious hour in all of history. Lord, thank you. You saw something in us that you knew, Lord, that we could handle this hour. And what you saw was your son. And our prayers, let your son continually be made and formed in us. That we be, we would be conformed and into his image. Thank you, God. Touch people this morning, Lord. I pray for miracles, signs, and wonders. Lord, you're, you've been doing things at this altar, but I know, Lord, their people can't get to the altar. I pray you touch them wherever they're watching from. Let the power of heaven break out. The glory of the Father be revealed in that place, in their family in their home, in their city, in their nation, in our nation. And Lord, they tell us the believers in Iran are undergoing great persecution in this hour. A persecution that we don't want to hear of. But Lord, we pray for the mercies of heaven. We pray for an angelic host to be loosed. God, encourage them strengthen them, deliver them, help them, let them encounter the salvation of their God, whatever that means for each individual. Lord, we pray the powers of hell would be spoiled. The plans of darkness would be thwarted. And we pray let the will of God and the kingdom come and invade Iran. Lord, you rescue those that are perishing we thank you and trust you and believe you, God. We believe you, God. If, you're, if you've never received Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, if you're watching or in this room, I want to lead you in a prayer. And this, man, let this be the day of salvation. That's, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts us. You can't just come to him when you want to. The Holy Spirit draws you. Jesus draws you to the, that you might know the Father. And uh, you have to believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he lived, that he died, and he rose from the dead. You confess that you're a sinner. You choose to repent, to turn, and say, I will follow him regardless of the cost. That is discipleship. It is not I will follow him as long as I get this or can hap- this can happen, but that regardless. So just pray this prayer. Dear God, 
I believe in you. And I need you. I believe in Jesus. He is the son of the living God. He died. He rose from the dead. I confess my sin and I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. I choose to turn from my own way. And I choose to follow you and make you my way. Regardless of the cost, I thank you, you paid the greatest cost. And I turn to you now, and I call on Jesus, and I make him my Lord and Savior. 